Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello folks, you're very welcome back to Celtic Fanzine TV and the podcast is on audio on the Celtic Soul podcast across your favourite platforms. And please, if you're watching in for the first time, please hit that subscribe button, follow and the alarm button. And if you want to leave a comment, uh, you're more than welcome. Well, today I'm joined on the Grand Old History podcast by a man who knows a little about Celtic. Some would say a lot about Celtic. Celtic historian and author of I think about 40 books, but David might fill us in. And um, I'm sure he's working on another project as well. David Potter, you're very welcome back to the, I suppose, the Celtic Soul podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. How have you been? I've been very well, thank you. It's been a good Christmas and New Year. As I say, I've, I've missed the football a little bit, but um, that, uh, that again, kind of, there's not much you can do about that. And um I've always been able to savour and look back on that League Cup final, which I've watched every single recording there's ever been on my YouTube. And it's uh, uh, every time I see these two goals, they get better. And um, uh, funny, right? the, but both goals, that when you look at them, you think, here, they're both offside. But uh, it's when you play them back, you realise it's not offside. And, and we did actually have a good linesman on that particular day. But certainly, for both goals, you can make a, a case when you look at it, you know, the first time, here, that's offside. But it's not. There was two wonderful goals and a, a, a very good day for Celtic on the 19th of December. And and wonderful... Um... Two wonderful goals, wonderful passes for them as well, wonderful balls in, and at a time yes. when we were just slumped into our seats, David. What an equaliser oh, yes. within a minute. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. I was, um, uh, I, was, uh, I thought that was the end when Hibs scored because, uh, uh, you know, often the first goal in the cup final is the vital one, you know, but uh, uh, we, kept, we fought back immediately. And uh, uh, well, actually, although we had a wee bit of luck towards the end, you know, Hibs at least twice could have scored. Um, I think we were the better team throughout, and uh, and we just we just knew how to win the game, which is the main thing. You know, you knew how to, there was game management skills there, and were in evidence, which have not always been in evidence in the past. 
But uh, it was a good day. Uh, it was a good day, and uh, uh, well done, Celtic. And some of our younger listeners will be will be wondering what's the so what's the problem? We always win the League Cup. Well, it wasn't always that way, David, because you've wrote extensively on the League Cup, and it was it was a tournament, I suppose, or a competition before Brendan Rodgers arrived. That was uh, wasn't our, our best hunting ground. Yes, I think we're we're slowly catching up. Though I mean, we've now won the League Cup twenty times, as distinct from Rangers twenty seven. So uh, the gap used to be huge. It's now still rather too large for what I would like, but we're slowly catching up. And uh, apart from that uh, year last year when St. Johnson won it, we've now won it uh, since 2016. Oh, it's been our exclusive property since 2016. So uh, it's been good for us of late, and I, I hope that continues. It's a, it's a lovely cup, that one, where the three handles are just... Uh, I, I love that. Uh, I love looking at that Scottish League cup. It's a beautiful cup, especially when, of course, it's draped with green and white ribbons. Yeah, I love how uh, simple you put things, Dave, and the simplicity you bring to the game, uh, especially in, in the mo- in the modern game when it's there's just so much going on. But we're in we're in the middle of uh, the transfer madness, uh, and it was as the month goes on. But you spoke there about the goal scorer. What a yep. summer signing he was, Kyogo. You know, we didn't know much about the manager. We didn't know much about the player, and we had we had. Um, uh, an American journalist on who who writes about the J League and is based in Tokyo, uh, Dan Dan the man from Japan, Dan Arowitz, and he's going to be joining us uh, this week as well for a chat. But he he told us how good Ange was, what we could expect, what type of football he was going to play. There would be bumps, and he also told us about Kyogo and what type of player he was. And yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to getting talking to him again about the three new recruits because you know I don't think there's anyone too disappointed with the new manager or the new striker? Not at the moment, no. Uh, I think things have uh, have gone really very well. I think Kyogo has got something and he, he's, he's obviously very happy to be at, um, at Celtic Park and he's adapted very well to Scotland, which can't be the easiest of countries to adapt to when you've lived in Japan all your life. As for the three guys who are uh, now with us as well, uh, obviously, you don't know. I mean, I hear very well of them. Your journalist friend and and others have uh, have told me how good they are. Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to seeing them. And um, but you can't really make any uh, judgment until you actually see them on the park wearing the green and white uh, stripes. Yeah, and they like there'll be there'll be a bit of pressure on them as well coming in because you know most people will be expecting them to be every bit as good as Kyogo and um, maybe they are maybe they're not but like we can't afford any more slip-ups now because well, well I, was just, I was just going to make that point very few. and with no leeway at all really because we're we're six points behind now um, if for example we were to lose to uh, Hibs uh, tomorrow night and Rangers were to beat Aberdeen on I think it's Tuesday night they play that would be nine points and that would begin to look as if we couldn't do it. As it is, we're only six. We certainly can uh, do it because we've got to play Rangers three times. Apparently, there's some doubt about the game on the uh, 2nd of February now because of international commitments uh, for some of our players. Uh, but I hope it goes ahead that day. I mean, I, mean, I really think we're really, this is a good time to be, to be playing Rangers and we've got to attack them uh, fairly soon and fairly quickly, I think. Uh, to get back into the league race. 
Yeah, 100%. And as I said, we've brought in the three Japanese players. We've often brought in a young a young lad in Sligo who is highly touted, very, very good player, uh, Johnny Kenny, and not John Joe Kenny, as, as many, oh, people, Kenny. many, no, many, many Kenny. people were worried about. But he's coming <laughs> in as well, and we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll have someone on from a Sligo fan on as well during the week to give yes. us the lowdown on him because uh, uh-huh. we're hearing... Lots about him. We've seen him, uh, and he kind of was under the radar in the League of Ireland as a as maybe as a youth player until he got his chance during COVID, and went yes, into the yes. Sligo team as a schoolboy. Yeah, and yeah, since yeah, then, yeah. since then, he's finished his exams. He scored eleven goals in 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 thirty three appearances, and some of them were on for, off the bench, and some were coming on. Uh, so, minute was his record is very good. Um, the word here is that um, he'll go straight into the B team. He won't be going out alone because uh, he's because of his age. He's eighteen, and he'll be does high hopes that he may make the bench by the end of the season. And does high hopes as well that because of what Andrew's been saying recently about bringing players up from the B team to train with the force team, that he will get some time with the force team because Andrew told me recently at a press conference that. He wants the players to come up to train with them so that when they are called up, like at the end of last season when he needed the players to fill the bench, that they come up, they know what to expect, they know the high intensity that the first team is playing. And I think now he has Tommy McIntyre tuned into his wavelength and Tommy is is trying to play that style as well. So um, all bounds well for the future. Well, it does. Um, I think one of the problems is going to be the, the sheer amount of players that we have and the fact that we can only play 11 at a time. Well, I mean, obviously, with a few subs as well. And I think it's a test of character, particularly some of our Japanese recruits, whether they can abide their time because they can't really expect to be straight into the team. Uh, all three of them, for example, tomorrow night will not be playing, will not be starting tomorrow night. I, don't, I think something wrong with that were to happen. So they have to bide their time and, and learn. It's a learning experience about what Celtic's all about. You know, even, even sitting on the bench or sitting in the stand and, and watching the game, you, you really have to do that, I think, sometimes, just to learn what Celtic is all about and what it means to our supporters. So it's a, it's a test of character, I think, for some of the new guys. Yeah, David, and like, I suppose transfer windows, are, they get us all excited. Now, the January transfer window was never as exciting as the summer one um, because sometimes it does panic at the end of it. Uh, like a John Joe Kenny, you're bringing in uh-huh. play, you're bringing in players to fill the gap that you know at the start of January they certainly went um, in your plans. But Ange has done his business very early. He said a couple yeah. of weeks ago at a press conference that he was looking at players in Japan, Australia, and we now know that with McGree, he 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 was looking at he was looking at someone. We've also been linked to players in Iran. Now nothing has come of that, but he did say in that press conference that he was looking towards Iran as well. So there may be a little bit of truth. And then during that press conference, he said, I've said enough now. I don't want anyone else looking at these players. But he certainly brings a wider scope into the players that we normally bring in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I think that's the case. And I think you must um, uh, welcome the growing internationalism of Celtic because Celtic is a... Uh, very much a, a, an international side. I remember getting a wee bit of a shock once 
20 years ago when I went to the Parkhead and I saw somebody with a Swedish flag, obviously in honour of Henrik Larsson, and uh, it struck me as a bit odd because the Swedish flag, it's not green and so on, you know, and uh, it's odd, but uh, but no, I mean, uh, uh, Celtic is a very much an international commodity and uh, really has to stay that way. And uh, so you welcome the, the growing internationalism of it all, although it does mean that for supporters like you and me who uh, are not experts on Japanese or Australian or Iranian football or Iraqi football, uh, it would be uh, you have to take a lot um, on spec, as it were, a lot on, uh, on trust until you actually see them playing for Scotland, playing in Scotland. And of course, playing in Scotland with all its funny pitches and strange referees and funny interpretations of rules sometimes. Uh, it's a novel experience. It's quite a difficult experience for, for quite a lot of people. And a lot of people just frankly don't cope with it very well. I mean, for example, I think that uh, Mr Duffy, who is now back with Brighton, I mean, I don't think he ever coped with Scotland all that well. Which is a shame because uh, uh, those uh, friends of mine who's for Brighton said he was good and continue to say he's good. Yeah, and... and- it didn't work out for Shane, but um, he's come back and fair play to him. He's got himself, he's in the Irish team, he's playing well for yes, Ireland yes. In, in Stephen Kenny's new setup and the style of play yeah, he's yeah. playing. And he's, you know, he wasn't in Brighton's plans and yeah, he gets himself back into the team and he, yeah, do, yeah. he, he does well. So yeah, fair play to him. Uh, that's one transfer that didn't work. Now, also in transfer windows, um, we lose players. Yes. Um, and in recent years, we've probably lost our best players, uh, especially ones with a good sell-on value. And I pick, I'll pick two out. Um, one we always knew was going to leave because he used to stroll through games. And he's now probably the best central defender in the world, and that's big version of Van Dijk. Uh, and, and we have to t- tip our cap to Neil Lennon and the scouts at that time who brought... Virgil in and then I believe Ronnie Delia told him when he was going to Southampton for I think it was 12 million that if he held on at Celtic he could bypass Southampton and he would get a move to the big clubs but I suppose the money turned his head and an agent was probably thinking sell on fees and his cut so he didn't stay with he didn't he didn't take Ronnie's advice and he left and he's proved that he's a world class player as I said one of the best in the world if not the best and then I suppose the one that shocked a lot of people was when we lost one of our own but you know Kieran Tierney left the club it divided the fans um, he went to a big club in Arsenal and probably for life changing money. And he probably, you know, at a young age, the club probably looked as well because Kieran had his injuries and they probably thought this is a great deal. Uh, but he's proved now that he's, you know, a, a potential future Arsenal captain. And you wrote at the time, I remember, but when he left, um, about him leaving. But you remember so many, David, um, players who, who have left bef- when I suppose... Money wasn't as big in the in, in down south and you know, Scottish teams were competing in Europe on a regular basis, mm. like their English counterparts. And I'm gonna kinda of go back to a cover because you wrote a great article and during the week we put two feeders out on that. Um one 
was kind of Gleish. The other was Chan Nicholas. But if I think back to that article, David, you also wrote about Paddy Querent, who left a team who won the European Cup and then the following year won the European Cup. So, you know, how lucky was Paddy? And then we also have gone further back. I think you wrote about Jimmy Delaney as well. So can you just, you know, tell the listeners and the viewers a little about um, those players in history that moved on and the effect they had on the club? Um, to take them in order, as it were, I mean, Jimmy Delaney, he went in 1946. And I think he was probably quite right to realise that uh, uh, Celtic would go no place in the 1940s. He probably actually felt that he was at the end of his career as well in 1946. I mean, he'd been he'd won a, a cup medal for uh, Celtic in 1937. And then, lo and behold, he goes on to win a cup medal for Manchester United, an English cup medal for Manchester United in 1948. And then in 1954, he wins an Irish cup medal for uh, Derry City. Uh, and the following, the two years after that, he lost in, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, the League of Ireland Cup, the ERA era Cup, whatever League it's called. The, the FAI Cup. Uh, well, uh, FAI Cup, that's right. And and he was playing for Cork and he lost that one. He would have had four as it was. He has, he has three um, medals and that is unique in world football, particularly when uh, he won these three medals uh, in three different decades and there was a big world war in the middle of that. I mean, that is really a remarkable achievement for this man called Jimmy Delaney. But Jimmy Delaney was always Celtic through and through. Um, he was enticed to Manchester United through, I think, Matt Busby, and a feeling that uh, he had gone as far as he could go with Celtic. And he felt that, uh, you know, Celtic weren't going any place in the, in the 1940s. And, and, of course, in that case, um, he turned out to be correct. But, uh, of course, his grandson is uh, John Kennedy, who's our uh, assistant manager, as you, uh, as you know. But uh, Jimmy Delaney was a, was a great player, and nobody really resented the fact that he'd moved on from Celtic at that point in the way that they did probably resent uh, the fact that Dalglish went and uh, Nicholas went. Um, I think the Dalglish the transfer, uh, I wouldn't necessarily criticise Kenny Dalglish himself for what he did. I mean, he's got a duty to play for the best team and so on. But yeah, I really have to criticise the Celtic management and the Celtic board of directors at that time. Because it was only 10 years after Celtic had won the European Cup and it sent out the signal, I think, to the world that Celtic were no longer interested in emulating that feat if they were prepared to sell on their best player. But by some distance, their best player uh, in the 70s. And that one caused an awful lot of distress. And of course, it did, uh, in the long term, well, a year later, it did precipitate the resignation of Job Steen. Whether there was more behind that transfer uh, or not, Glasgow seethed with rumours, as it always does, uh, but nothing substantial has come out uh, about that. And um, But it really was uh, a bad, bad time to be a Celtic supporter, 1977 to 1978. Not because they'd lost the necessarily, but because they didn't use the money immediately to replace him. 
they bought some really awful players uh, with the money, uh, old players, the ones that uh, just weren't uh, up to anything, with maybe one exception, Tom, Tom McAdam, who had a, uh, had a good few seasons for Celtic. But that was really a very, very sad time, I always felt, for Celtics in 1977 to 1978. We slowly recovered. And then, of course, uh, the problem in the early 80s was that we allowed ourselves to be over-dependent on Charlie Nicholas. Charlie Nicholas was a great player. He was even uh, favourably compared with Patsy Gallagher by my father. And that, frankly, is saying something because my father thought that, you know, Pelly and Grincha and Stanley Matthews were nothing like as good as Patsy Gallagher. But my father did say that he thought Charlie Nicholas had uh, something in him that was like, um, uh, like Patsy Gallagher. And we allowed ourselves to become over-dependent, I, I fear, on uh, Charlie Nicholas, and in 1983, when uh, Charlie Nicholas didn't play in a, a Scottish Cup semi-final against Aberdeen for reasons that you're maybe not meant to say, but everybody knows, and involves on a day with police cells. Uh, but uh, uh, Charlie Nicholas didn't uh, play that day, and we lost Aberdeen one 0 in the semi-final of 1983. And uh, then, of course, he was transferred to Arsenal in 1983, where he never really uh, replicated or uh, reproduced the form that he had shown for Celtic. I mean, I saw Nicholas quite a lot in 1980. I think he was injured in 1981 to 1982, if I remember rightly. But in 1980 to 1981, he did an absolutely superb season. It was his first season, and he was absolutely superb. Uh, a great player was Charlie Nicholas, but he only really did it for Celtic in his first spell, he never really did it with Arsenal. He never did it with Aberdeen. And he certainly didn't do it with Celtic in his second spell in the early 90s. And uh, Charlie Nicholas, I'm afraid, uh, causes me a lot of distress on uh, looking back. And I think that's a distress that's shared by quite a few Celtic supporters. And then the final one that you wrote about that time because I know he was it was a hero of yours back in the 60s and that was Paddy Crerand mm-hmm. yeah 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 Paddy Crerand that was um, a, a very difficult one to take again uh, one sees why he Pat Crerand left again he was probably seduced as it were by Matt Busby who of course was a brilliant manager and of course a great Celtic supporter and I very much always remained to his death a Celtic sympathiser did, did, did Matt Busby. And I see why uh, Pat Crern felt that he had to leave the frankly rather corrupt regime that uh, was going around Celtic in, uh, in 1963 under the, the tyranny of uh, Bob Kelly, who... Um, Nobody could doubt that Bob Kelly was uh, uh, very um, much in charge of Celtic and uh, he was very he loved Celtic and so on. But his judgment, particularly on uh, football matters, was uh, opened to a lot of question. And uh, of course, he tended to throw his weight about in, in a way that a chairman shouldn't. A chairman should not be not interfere too much with the players. And I could see how Pat Crerand uh, would fall out. Um, uh, with that, and of course, it all came to head uh, on New Year's Day, nineteen sixty-three, when Celtic lost four-nil to Rangers at Ibrox, and apparently, 
Again, this is Glasgow gossip that everybody knows about. There was a major falling out between Pat Crern and Sean Fallon at halftime in the dressing room that day. And of course, uh, Crernand never played again for Celtic. It was six weeks later before he was actually transferred, but he was dropped for the trip to Aberdeen uh, two or three days later after New Year. And then the bad weather came down because 1963 was a very uh, frosty winter indeed and the football was off for, for weeks. And in the middle of February, uh, Crernand uh, departed to uh, Manchester United. And of course, if Celtic were in a bad state before he left, they were in a worse state afterwards. And I do remember the 1963 Scottish Cup final replay, the night of the uh, uh, of the, the walkout, the famous walkout, and it was coming down the stairs. I think we still be quarter an hour to go, but we'd had enough. And I remember the man in tears at the bottom of the stairs saying, Pat Crerand, Pat Crerand, I hope you're proud of yourself. And uh, there were a few bad words incorporated in that as well, I may say, uh, which I'm not going to repeat. But it showed just how much that Celtic supporters felt uh, betrayed by Pat Crerand. Although a few years later, you could realise uh, why he decided to go. And the fact is that if Jock Steen had been manager of Celtic, Pat Crerand would have still stayed. There's no doubt about that. And who came in uh, to replace Pat? Did they bring someone in to replace Pat? No, really, no, no. They, they played. Um, if I remember rightly, they played the uh, John McNamee. John McNamee, however you pronounce his name, man who went on to play for uh, Hibs and Newcastle United. They played him as a sort of double centre half, or even as a kind of a, an old-fashioned right half uh, alongside McNeil, and that was not a success. The um, uh, the Celtic team of nineteen sixty-three was absolutely dreadful. Uh, it was only a few years later, again when Jock Steen arrived, that uh, they realised they had uh, a world-class right half in, at Celtic Park. Anyway, but nobody at the time noticed that. And of course, that was Bobby Murdoch. Bobby Murdoch, who was a good enough inside right, but not great, but not great. Um, he was moved back by Jock to right half, and the world just changed almost immediately, because Murdoch was one of these players. He he needed really to have the ball um, at his feet and he needed to be facing forward. He wasn't very good at waiting for a ball coming through to him, you know, looking behind to see if a ball was coming through. But he was great. I mean, he just took charge of midfield. And of course, the the Lisbon triumph was uh, was based on uh, Murdoch at one part of the midfield and Bertie all in the other. And that was just, frankly, unbeatable as we moved. And then, Charlie Nick, who who did they bring in when, when Charlie went to London? They brought a guy called Jim Melrose from, I think, Partick Thistle, who was, you know, not a bad player for Partick Thistle, but uh, he, frankly, was just not... Uh, not Celtic class and he couldn't possibly uh, replace Nicholas and yet it was so annoying as well because round about that time we had so many other good players as well I mean with people like uh, Tommy Burns Paul McStay was fast developing with Murdo McLeod these were all great players uh, but uh, some or another it just didn't click um, Davy He, of course, he was appointed manager in uh, 1983 after McNeil left, 
Now, I am told by those who know about such things that there was no connection between the departure of Nicholas and the departure of McNeil. I suspect there may have been there, but uh, anyway, the pair of them were away in 1983. Davy Hay came in, and Davy Hay, again, not a bad manager at all, and a very much a great Celtic player and, and, and a great Celt, uh, but uh, he just couldn't cope with that situation in 1983 to 1984, where the problem was not so much Rangers. Celtic were certainly better than Rangers in 1984, but the problem was Alec Ferguson's Aberdeen. It was just sheer hard luck that at that same time, Aberdeen, and to a lesser extent, Dundee United, but mainly Aberdeen, uh, had uh, had risen. And of course, uh, Aberdeen won the Scottish League and Cup in 1984. Uh, and again, that was a very, very distressing uh, time to be a Celtic supporter indeed. And so much of it is caused by the selling on of a player and not replacing him. Now, that has been less of a problem with the selling of Kieran Tierney because I would not at the moment identify full back as a major problem for Celtic. I think we have several very good fullbacks, in fact, maybe more than we need. And I wouldn't identify at the moment the fullback is a problem uh, for Celtic. But, uh, but the thing is, if you are going to sell on a class player, you must use your money to replace him either by buying somebody who is just as good or several who are maybe not individually as good as the guy you've lost, but collectively can make an awful difference. Yeah, and it's interesting now, David, um, how successful all the players. Well, Kieran Tierney is still uh, in a, in a developing team, I suppose. Um, he hasn't won anything, but he has he has time, and he's probably time. If reports are correct, I you know he, he you know Arsenal may not be his final port of call because he's 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 really he's really making a name for himself down there. First well, of all. Virgil sorry, Dyke is going to, sorry, David. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that um, I'm not sure that Arsenal is, are the best team for uh, Tierney at the moment. This, I mean, I noticed, for example, they managed to get their game against Tottenham Hotspur called off today, and and that actually sends out the wrong signals to Gunnar supporters. I think. You know, they're, they're not wanting to play Tottenham Hotspur. That, that was not a good move uh, from Arsenal, and they were absolutely awful in the English Cup. Um, uh, last week and uh, and Kieran Tierney uh, late in the game I don't know if you remember that but he gave away a foul throw now you frankly shouldn't do that when your team's pressing for an equaliser and he conceded a foul throw so the free kick went the other way um, and I just wonder whether it's a success Tierney uh, at Arsenal and I think you're probably right I think he may move on uh, someplace else but he certainly Tierney I must give him a lot of credit for he, he has played very well for Scotland in the times that I've seen him playing for Scotland so I give him a lot of credit for that and he is indeed a great player and of course it is my earnest desire that sooner or later he comes back to Celtic Park yeah, It'd be nice for him to come back um, It would Big Virgil I don't think will be coming back anytime soon he has, you know, been the the last, I suppose, cog in the Liverpool team, you know, league winners. He, but he has been out with injury. But he's gone on to success. Yes, he, Jimmy Delaney, yes, you know, three three titles in three different leagues, and I think it's three different decades, even David, if I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, there's the cups rather than the sorry, there, sorry, the, sorry, the cups. Yeah. Um, I think um, was was the forties. 
no, uh, maybe, maybe it was two decades. No, it's three decades. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah. So uh, the forties, fifties, and sixties. Uh, 30s, 40s, 50s. 30s, 40s, 50s. Jimmy Delaney, yeah. Jimmy Delaney, um, Celtic versus Aberdeen, 1937. Uh, Manchester United versus, I think, Blackpool, 1948. And Derry City versus, and somebody told me who it was, but anyway, 1954. So oh. it was, uh, yeah. The memory man, unbelievable, David. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was the Cups, I said leagues, long before my time. And then... Paddy Cryer goes goes off, you know, has success, wins the European Cup. Yeah, Kane yeah, Daglish yeah. has, you know, probably the most success. He goes off yeah. and he wins everything that can be yeah, won so. in, in football. What a player he turned out uh, yeah. for for Liverpool. And I remember him at Liverpool. He, I was too young to remember him at Celtic. And then you have, as you say, Charlie Nicholas, who promised everything and delivered nothing. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of like, like he's the one that sticks out of all the players we spoke about who who left the club. Yeah, who had the potential, yeah. I suppose, to uh, go all was, the way. He's, he's the one that only really played well for Celtic in his first spell. At the moment, he seems to go out of his way to, to annoy Celtic and Celtic fans. The things he says, he seems to be you know it's almost his stock in trade. Let's annoy more Celtic fans today. And uh, he's he's still not very popular in, among the Celtic community in Glasgow, I'm afraid. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Respect for you, It happens with ex-players uh, who work in the media. Um, but yes. some of them, and I won't mention them, but some of them get a lot of stake. But they are only some of them are given their opinion. And oh yes, you know, recently one player has been given his opinion on a few players, and I don't think it's much different than the majority of the fans. You know. Uh-huh. And certainly on one player, and I think, I think uh, he he he's right to uh, to say that for this player to you know, to, for his career to progress, he needs to move on because he's not going to be part of a regular starter for Ange. And I won't mention the player that said it, but I mentioned the player, and that's Mikey Johnson. And Mikey yeah. is on the fringes, and I think uh, with each transfer window that passes, he will he will. Knocked down the pecking order, and he has plenty of talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually think that Mikey Johnson, I have actually a high opinion of Mikey Johnson. I've seen him having some great games, but I have to say that this season he's been particularly disappointing ways. His tendency to run at a defence and lose the ball when he could pass. That's the one thing I would say that I've seen him doing quite a lot this season. But he, the talent is certainly there. There's no doubt about that. And uh, uh, I tend to think that for Mikey, if he were to move to someone like, who we say, someone, uh, you know, a good English championship team, you know, someone like, uh, shall we say, Nottingham Forest or Middlesbrough or somebody like that, I think that might be um, a good move for Mikey. You know, and um, but he's, it's a shame because he certainly does have something, uh, but he just hasn't been doing it uh, this past year. Yeah, and you, everyone everyone always wants uh, players that come up through the ranks to, to break in and to do well. There's something special about a player coming through the ranks. Look yeah. at Kieran Terry, and, and now we have Anthony Ralston, who has, you know, wait, he waited a long time for his chance, but he grabbed it and he's done brilliant in the four, six months. Now, what, what, I, what, I, what I have a great opinion of Anthony Ralston because uh, I remember when he started playing this season, his first few games this season, he received a tremendous amount of stick on the Celtic media for just not being Celtic class, no good enough and so on. And he's proved them all wrong. Yes. He's proved them all wrong. 
He's outstanding. He certainly outstanding. has. And yeah. it, it, it's funny, he's in, you know, Juranovic is a quality, quality player as well. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. probably our best, you know, probably the best player we have at set pieces at the moment. All we need yes, now, yes. all we need now is someone just to meet them corners. Uh, hopefully, yes. hopefully someone will because we, 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 it's, it's alarming how, how little we, we score from set pieces. Yeah. Well, as somebody said to me, and he's right, he said that um, there's no such a thing as a good corner kick or a good free kick or even a good cross unless there's somebody underneath it to finish it off. I mean, you can always say any corner kick's a good one, but there's nobody there. I mean, you, you have to have someone, as you see, you're right, you know, we need somebody to, to finish things off. And and, and there is a, a dearth of scoring goals from uh, corner kicks and free kicks, you're right, as well. But we, where I miss Bill McNeil. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you're going back a while now, no? Yeah. Dave, uh, it's always... it's. Always a pleasure to have you uh, in for a chat. Um, your knowledge is amazing. Just uh, any new projects? Are you working on anything new? Or? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm uh, just finishing a book uh, on Willie Fernie at the moment, uh, which I don't know whether uh, your viewers knew about this, but uh, uh, Willie Fernie is called uh, Piling on the Agony. Um, it's the, it's on the, the song of the, uh, based on the song of the 7 1 game, you know. Failing on the agony, putting on the style. That's what Glasgow Celtic have been doing all this while. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ways to make you smile. Watching Willie Fernie putting on the style. It uh, refers to the 7-1 League Cup final of October the 19th, 1957, in which Fernie was absolutely outstanding. But he was an example, incidentally, of a man who went to England and came back. Because he played a couple of years in uh, Middlesbrough, along with Brian Clough and a few others, uh, and uh, he was uh, oh, he's still adored down in, in in Middlesbrough. But then he came back and played well for Celtic and um, took us to the Scottish Cup final of nineteen sixty one, which we didn't win. But uh, but he was a great player, was Willie Fernie. So um, I've uh, quite enjoyed doing that book, and it should be out in a few months' time. I'm just finishing off the photograph. So that's the holiday reading sorted. Well, I hope so, yes, I hope so. Yeah. And then after that, I'm thinking of doing something about 1965, which I'm going to call Celtic's Year of Revolution. It was the year in which Jock Steen arrives at the end of January, and I'm comparing with where we were at the beginning of January 1965, New Year's Day 1965, compared with what we were like a year later when Jock Steen was, was there. And 1965 is a fascinating year. But that's what I'm working on at the moment. Plenty, plenty to keep you busy. Oh, oh yes, indeed. Dave, it's it's been a pleasure, folks. Um, if you like uh, what you see and, and what you hear, um, please hit the subscribe or follow button on your preferred platform if you prefer to listen to an audio. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Send us a comment and hit the alarm and whatever else you do on YouTube. Um, and thanks to Paddy Goodwin, Solicitors and Drala for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And if you would like to support us, you can do so by buying the new, the latest issue of the fanzine. You can subscribe to the fanzine. Uh, all the details are on CelticFanzine.com and you can also donate for the price of a pint. So folks, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks to David. And uh, let's hope we uh, get close that gap in Rangers and we're all on the ends train. Once again, I think, the, I think the important thing is just uh, uh, take it one game at a time.
Hibs Monday night, and and May by the time you 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 watch this, it'll be over. But uh, that's what we're concentrating one game at a time. And do not underestimate Alwa Athletic in the Scottish Cup. Do not underestimate them. Don't underestimate anyone. One game at a time. Yes, you're, you're correct. We all have nightmares about Clyde. David, Indeed. as I said, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.